One of the deepest longings of the human heart is to be satisfied. To have a feeling of contentment, right? Of happiness, knowing that whatever else is going on in the world, my heart is satisfied. I'm happy. And what makes us happy or satisfied with life depends on the shifting circumstances of our lives, right? For the younger among us, it might be having some exciting night out or a trip to an amusement park or a um, a dinner with someone we really uh, are excited to dine with. As we age, perhaps it's things more like a stable home or a good job. And then perhaps we start thinking about our legacy and what we're leaving behind to the generations that are following thinking that if we could just get this right, or if this moment just goes well, then we'll be satisfied, content. People look for that contentment in lots of different places, right? Well, Harvard University has been conducting a rolling study of their graduates over a number of years, asking them how they're finding happiness in life. What is giving them contentment? And what they found last year was that happiness was coming most consistently from what they call social fitness, what we might call having community, having relationships with people that you enjoy spending time with, being close to other people, emotionally as well as physically, not just online. These seem to be the things that the experts tell us make people content, satisfied more than anything else. And this seems to be another case where the experts are catching up with what the scriptures have been saying for an awfully long time. We think it's going to be some special moment or getting just that right thing that's going to satisfy us, but in fact it's something else entirely. And this is akin to the message that Jesus is bringing us here in this third I am statement that we're looking at this morning. I am the bread of life, he says. Whoever comes to me will not hunger And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That person will be truly satisfied. So let's spend the rest of our time here unpacking that statement. What does it mean? How how is it that Jesus satisfies us? Well, I think we would all agree that one of the things that satisfies us, at least for a little while, is a great meal. And that's part of the context of this passage, in fact. Earlier in chapter 6 is the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. People had gathered to hear him teach, a huge crowd, and they had nothing with them to eat. And so Jesus blessed five loaves and two fish, and the people ate their fill. John writes that the meal didn't end until each person had had as much as they wanted. Something quite amazing, right? Especially considering... The, the poor people who would have been in that crowd, many of them, many of them not ever having had a meal that would be that filling. You could think maybe of the Canadian Thanksgiving meal, right, where the meal doesn't stop until you kind of push away the plate and you're so full that you go and lie down on the couch in a food coma. Jesus then leaves this area after feeding the people, and the people seek him out. The next day they find him on the other side of the sea in Capernaum, And that's where our passage today takes place. And so you heard that when the people came to Jesus, they asked him how he got there. They had been looking for him, right? And Jesus says to them, he gets straight to the point, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. It wasn't about Jesus' teaching 
or his miracle working. It wasn't about what Jesus had ultimately come to do that the people were seeking him. Instead, it's that he met that need for food, the thing that they thought was most important, the thing that they thought would satisfy them. He fed them. He gave them an incredible meal. Now, notice this. The meal that Jesus gave them was very good. It was a good meal. But it didn't ultimately, permanently satisfy, right? They ate their fill, but then the next day they were hungry for more. So that literal food that he gave them wasn't the ultimate satisfying thing. Their actions communicate that they think that if Jesus keeps giving them the thing that they want, the food, then they'll keep following him. But Jesus challenges them on this. He says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. He's saying to work for or pursue that which is eternal, the thing that lasts forever, that never perishes, that satisfies ultimately. It can never be taken away. That's the thing that you should be desiring. Jesus knows, of course, that Food is important, but he knows there's something even more important, and that's what he's come to give. So Jesus is the giver, he says. The Son of Man will give to you this good food. He's the giver, but it turns out that Jesus also is the gift. Listen to what he says. He says in verse 33 that the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then he adds that I am statement. What's that bread come down from heaven? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And to make it even more explicit, Jesus says at the end of our passage, in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The whole point that Jesus is making in this passage over and over again is that while we think we need the material things of this world to satisfy us, that satisfaction actually will only come in one way. Jesus offers what truly satisfies. The thing that lasts forever. What is it? Well, what Jesus offers us is Jesus himself. It's that relationship with him that truly satisfies. He's saying to the crowd, stop thinking with your stomach and think about your deeper needs, your deeper longings. We think we need our material life satisfied, arranged in a certain way, but what we really need is that deeper longing for relationship. And even something deeper than the longing for relationship with other people, the deepest need of all is our longing for relationship with God, our creator, the giver of every good gift that we've ever known. And that is what Jesus offers. Come to him and never be hungry or thirsty again. Never be starved for relationship again. Never be on your own again. My friends, I wonder what brought you here this morning. Is this just what you do on a Sunday morning? You just like to come and sing some songs and get your communion? Or did you come here looking for Jesus? Do you pursue Jesus 
because there's something you want to get from him, like the crowd in our story? Or are you pursuing Jesus simply because you want him? When you come to Jesus simply for who he is, to know him as your Lord and your God, your Savior and your friend, you gain a relationship that satisfies that deepest longing of your soul forever. Jesus satisfies. He satisfies because he's both the giver and the gift. In response to Jesus' teaching, the crowd start to see that Jesus is talking about himself in some kind of way. They don't get it yet. They haven't wrapped their heads around what they're saying. But to their credit, they're asking questions. They seem willing to pursue what he's saying. In verse 30, they ask him for a sign to show that they should really believe in him. They point out that their forefathers were given manna in the wilderness. Bread, right? Moses gave us manna, Jesus. What do you give? It's kind of an amazing question, considering that he just fed the 5,000 the day before, right? But rather than answer with that, which might seem obvious to us, Jesus takes their ask for a material sign to point to something better, something deeper and spiritual. Jesus responds, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It's as if he's saying, Moses is great, guys, and we should thank those who bless us in this life, for for sure. But let's remember where all those blessings ultimately come from. Not from Moses, not from any other person here on earth. Moses couldn't make that manna appear. It was a gift from our Father to provide for his people in the desert. The blessing, the gift, came from God. And Jesus goes on to teach us that the true gift is one that the Father alone can give. Here's what he says in verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The gift that our Father offers is the gift of His Son. The gift of life in relationship with Him forever. God is the giver and God is the gift. We won't hunger or thirst in that deepest sense because we have Jesus. The one who gave His flesh, who gave His body and blood on the cross for the life of the world. He died so that we might live. He is the one who calls us and who makes us his. And Jesus tells us that it's the Father's will that anyone who comes to him, anyone who believes in him in this way, will never be lost. Simply because that's the Father's will, to save and raise that person. Jesus is the gift that's been given by the Father. And if you're a Christian then your soul is satisfied. Whatever else might be going on in your life, whatever other needs might not be met, your deepest longing, your soul need, is satisfied because God has given you the gift of Jesus. And friends, if you're not a Christian, if you don't have faith in Jesus yet, 
then your soul will never be satisfied in any other way because you still lack that only thing that can satisfy. I am the bread of life, he says. Whoever comes to me will never hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Have you eaten of that bread? Is your soul satisfied in Jesus? Well, maybe at this point you're asking, how do we eat of this bread? How do we feast on Christ? Just a few verses after where our reading ends, Jesus even says something maybe even a little more intense than what we have heard him say so far. In verse verse 53, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood. So this is a high-stakes question. How do we do this? How do we feed on Jesus? Well, let's go back to the question and answer when the crowd asked Jesus in verse 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They were asking, what must we do to do what God wants from us? How do we follow God? Jesus answers this way, this is the work of God. This is what God wants you to do. That you believe in him whom he has sent. Believe in the one whom God has sent. Have faith. Put your trust in Jesus. That is the key. Whatever else we can say from this passage, and there's a lot, it's most certainly a call to faith in Jesus. Without faith in him, we do not have life in us. Without faith in him, our hearts will never be satisfied. Without faith in Jesus, we simply run along in this life from one thing to the next, looking for something that will satisfy, but never finding it. It's Jesus who satisfies that need by his gift of his body and blood. So we feed on him by faith. That happens in many different ways. It happens as we hear his word read. You'll remember hearing Jesus say in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, quoting from Deuteronomy, that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Right? The word of God, as we hear it, feeds our hearts. As we come forward week by week to communion with hands outstretched and faithful hearts to receive from Jesus, we do receive that gift of his body and blood. Just as we say in our communion liturgy, right? we feed on him in our hearts by faith. This is one of the ways that we feed on him by faith. We extend our hands there as we come forward as an act of receiving the gift. A gift that we couldn't make ourselves, that we couldn't get from any other person, that we only can get from God. And all our thanks are due to him for giving us this gift of life. We thank him for these means of grace his word, the sacraments that strengthen our faith in him so that we might have a deeper and fuller relationship with him. It's as we believe in Jesus day by day that he is feeding us in our hearts, that everything he's done for us on the cross is coming true in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the relationship that makes the meal special. Right? It's the relationship with Jesus that ultimately satisfies. When we have that relationship with him, we can look at him 
not as the crowd did here, just wanting something from him, but with genuine faithful hearts. And when we hear him say, I am the bread of life, we can say to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Amen.